Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. And I don't
reading to you from the Gospel of John. I'll begin. I'll begin reading chapter 18, verse 17. You are one of his disciples, aren't you? I am not. It was cold. The servants and the officials stood around a a fire they'd made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Verse 25. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You're not one of his disciples, are you? I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again Peter denied it, and the rooster began to crow. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest. But now my kingdom is from another place. Oh, you are a king then, Pilate said. You're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for charges against this man. Pilate took Jesus, chapter 19, and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Pilate again came out. I find no no basis for a charge against him. Crucify him! Crucify! You take him and crucify him, Pilate said. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews said, We have a law, and according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. Pilate tried to set Jesus free, 
But the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be the king opposes Caesar. Pilate said, Here is your king. Take him and crucify him. And they crucified him. And with him two others. One on each side and Jesus in the middle. And Jesus He died on that cross. He died on that cross. He said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. One of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And they crucified Jesus there in the garden. They crucified the Son of God, the Creator of heaven and earth. They they crucified Him. Will no one speak up for Jesus? Will no one protest and say this is a gruesome injustice? Stop. Investigate the matter further. No one spoke up for Jesus. Peter's concern was staying warm. Peter's concern was to maintain his innocence. Peter, when Jesus looked at him, suddenly realized what he had done. And he ran to be alone and to weep out his repentance for not speaking up for Jesus. He had done the unthinkable. He had done the unthinkable. He had denied knowing the Messiah. He knew he was the Messiah. Peter knew. Oh, it's so so difficult for me as I share this brief vignette. This is the struggle of every man and every woman 
We know he's God. We have the scriptures to describe in excruciating detail his crucifixion. And yet no one spoke up for him. There are two very clear sides to this picture. Most of us have spent most of our lives on the side of Peter. Denying that we know Jesus by the way we spend our money, our time, our energy. First and foremost, I must be secure. I must be warm. I must be comfortable. I must have what I must have to take care of my life. But Jesus had told them that if they saved their life, they would lose their life in the end. This is the, this is the struggle. I have my house and my car. I have my life. Now, if there's anything I can do for you, Jesus, I'll do it. But I'll only go so far. And then I stop. Part of what I've struggled with most of my life is this stubborn resistance to giving up my life. Oh, I can be a a happy Christian, clap my hands, shout, preach, but don't ask me to give up my life. I've passed that point. We all must finally pass that point and recognize that we would desire first to have our own life and reputation and then speak up when it seems we can speak up without being censored. I have a great deal of respect for Tucker Carlson. He understands he's not a part of the machine. He understands that he is a newsman. A newsman. He is there to report objectively the facts as they occur. He's not there to build his reputation. So now the European Union wants to censor him for going over and interviewing Mr. Putin. You have to admire his guts. He was willing to pay for the trip out of his own pocket. He did not become beholden to NBC or CBS or Fox. He paid his own way. 
he opened the doors he needed to open. And he interviewed this man. Now, I'm not, I'm not lifting Tucker Carlson up as some icon of virtue. I'm simply saying I admire his courage and strength to be true to what he knows he's there to do, which is to report the news. I wish other news outlets could have people with the courage to simply report what happens without putting a a slant to it. This is the issue. Will we represent Jesus Christ in truth? Or do we represent Jesus Christ from a safe haven beside a fire to keep warm with the wicked? Are we willing to truly be followers of Jesus Christ? even if it costs us our life. It's interesting to me that in the 20th chapter, they find the tomb empty. And it says, in verse 10, then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this point, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Sir, if they have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll go get him. Mary. Teacher. Don't hold on to me, for I've not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdala went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that what he'd said. I want you to see that with Mary, it's a personal family's issue. With the disciples, it is yet institutional. They go back and climb in their warm beds. Maybe have some pillow talk with their wives about what's happened. 
Simon Peter has been broken. He's been pulverized. You can't put Peter back together again. He knows that he is utterly unworthy because he has denied God himself. He has denied Jesus, the man who was without a doubt the most important man in ever in Peter's life. And all he can do is weep. Now, it doesn't matter that all of the disciples turned and deserted Jesus in the garden. They all left him. But Peter, he went further. He denied him, denied that he even knew the man, denied all association with Jesus. When it suddenly realized what he'd done, it broke Peter's heart. We must come to a place where we begin to recognize the worldliness of our lives, the hardness of our lives, and begin to weep over the reality that our lives have been a denial of Jesus, a personal denial of Jesus. Mary's concern was not at a distance. It was intimate, up close. The love she had for Jesus was not a love of doctrine. It was a love for the man, Jesus. Chapter 21, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Nathaniel, sons of Zebedee, and, all, and two of the other disciples, they were all together, ten. They said, let's go out fishing. Because come on. They owed money to take care of their families. All they'd known was fishing. Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. All the others said, we're going with you. So they went out and got in the boat. This is in Galilee. They worked hard all night, casting their nets. They caught nothing. Early in the morning hours, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. That's my worst nightmare, that Jesus will come, and I won't even know it's Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? 
No. We'll throw your net on the other side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because there was such a large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, you know who that is. That's the writer of the book of John. It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around himself and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire, the burning coals, and it already had fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Remember the first time this happened? The net tore. Not this time. Jesus said, come, have breakfast. The disciples were overwhelmed. You see, in their minds, with the exception of Peter, they were still primarily concerned about themselves. But the crucifixion dramatically changed things. They're overwhelmed. So Jesus fixed some of the fish, cleaned them, put them on the fire. They knew it was Jesus. Jesus came in and took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? I'm not sure what he's saying. Is he saying, do you love me more than these fish? Are you willing to give up your fishing? Or was he saying, do you love me more than these other disciples? I want you to notice his answer. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. He doesn't want to talk to Jesus about the fish. The fish are are finished now. The final miracle. Filling their net with fish. Remember the first time Jesus did this? Peter fell down on his face. said, depart from me, I'm a wicked man. Well, Peter is no longer a wicked man. He has been broken. He has repented. He has repented of being concerned about himself. For the first time, Peter now has 
a dignity about him. I've met so many men who have no sense of dignity about their life because all they're concerned about is themselves. They want to talk about themselves. They don't want to they don't want to be broken and and look about the concerns of others. They're concerned about themselves. Until that transition comes, until there's a brokenness in a person's life and pride is smashed once and for all, they will have no dignity. Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Feed my my lambs. Feed the children. Don't keep the children away from me. You feed them. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my fish. No. Take care of my sheep. We've got to be clear in our hearts what our lives are about. Very petite, worldly young woman was waiting on my wife and I at a breakfast table, and she was wearing a cross. I said to you, Are you a Christian? She got this very shy smile on her face and she said, I want to be. She said, I'm trying to be. I said, I will pray for you. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter is now hurt in his heart because Jesus has asked him the third time, Do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. 
whether you find a, a lamb in a restaurant or you find a lamb at your workplace or you have a lamb in your family. Be gentle with them. Be gentle with your children. They're precious. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself, Peter, and went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus was indicating to Peter the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, Follow me. I think in this whole passage, the most important statement that Jesus has made is, Peter, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if, if I want you to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Is that your business? You must follow me. You must follow me. Now when an opportunity comes, you must speak up for me, Peter. I wonder, as the Romans led Peter and his wife to the place of their execution, did Peter remember the occasion when Jesus said to him, You must follow me. Jesus had already told him, You must follow me to the cross, and they will crucify you there. And Peter said to the Romans, I'm not worthy of being crucified right side up, as my master was. Crucify me upside down. Peter had followed Jesus all the way to the cross. And there he died. And Peter had a glorious day of resurrection as he was ushered into the heavenly realm 
I wonder if Jesus said to him, Peter, you followed me. All the way through the cross, you followed me. I would like to have seen and heard the meeting between Jesus and Peter. But now we come back to you and me. Are you following Jesus? Or have you yet to be broken? Are you yet to give up the entertainment of this world? I know today how very difficult it is to move out of your own will power, to move out of your own evil desires, to move out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, particularly the tree of good. nurtured and fertilized by the devil. Oh, I, I just want to stay warm. I'll stand with the sinners. They're warm. I am not interested in giving up my life. You know, I'm very troubled today by, by the way Christians will twist the word of God to justify they're not following after Jesus. Oh, we're following Jesus. No, you're not. You're following your evil desires for this world. One person said, oh, Paul was a sinner. He said, what a wretched man I am who will deliver me. And they said, that's where we're all at, who will deliver us from this wretched life. But we'll just do the best we can do. We'll, we'll get along the best we can. We'll grow. We'll mature. It's a matter of, of growing up. No, it's not. If you understood the gospel, you would know that that's not what's being said. Paul is saying, what a wretched man I am, out of chapter 7 of the, of the book of Romans, where he has spoken about himself as a wretched sinner. But then he says, Jesus will deliver me. Have you been delivered? If not, if you're still living a, a sinner, a saved sinner's life, you haven't been broken. You don't grow through this brokenness. Peter didn't grow his way through the brokenness. He fell on his face. He saw what he had done. 
he saw how he had twisted what he believed about Jesus. And all I could do was fall on his face and weep until finally the Holy Spirit came and gave him a new heart. took away his sin, forgave him. Some of you have so twisted the word of God that it justifies your life as a sinner. And you can never enter the kingdom of God as a sinner. You have to be broken. You have to be broken. The greatest sin of the children of Israel was unbelief. The greatest sin of the modern age is Christians who belittle the blood of Jesus and do not believe that the blood of Jesus can totally transform them and make them into a new creature. That sin is to be totally removed by the blood of Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that all of the sin of your heart and your life can be removed by the blood of Jesus? And you can be clean before Almighty God. Do you believe in the power of the blood of Jesus? If not, you will not speak up for Jesus. Speak up for some theology that you believe, but theology didn't ever save one soul. Theology is important. Doctrine is important. The problem is you believe the wrong doctrine if you believe that Jesus' blood does not have the power to wash away your sins and to restore you clean and holy before Almighty God. What is it you believe? Do you love Jesus more than you love your doctrine? Do you love Jesus more than you love your intellectualism? Is this situation that you have with Jesus one of personal adoration, worship, and obedience? What do you have going on with Jesus? You just hear a sermon and then go back to bed. I don't mean to be difficult. I just know that the cry of my heart is that I must be one with Jesus Christ. I must be one with Jesus. 
I must believe that his blood is the most powerful thing in the universe because it can take a sinner and transform him into a saint. Will you speak up for Jesus and his blood? Or will you deny the power of the blood of Jesus? Like Peter denied Jesus and said, I don't know the man. Well, my brother and my sister, I know Jesus. And I know the power of his blood to wipe away all sin so that I no longer walk in it. Do you have that power of blood washing you clean? Do you have a testimony that you've been washed, that you've been sanctified, that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? What is your testimony, brother? What is your testimony, sister? Let's pray together. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Oh, Lord. I'm trying to feed your sheep. But many of them don't like the taste of the food that comes straight from your heart. They find it much easier to believe the lies that they can never be changed, that Satan still controls, that I can never be washed clean, that your blood has no power, any more power than the blood of bulls and goats that that allows a person to be declared righteous without being made righteous. Lord, I don't want to deny you. I will not deny the power of your blood. And I'm asking, Lord, please, send forth your Holy Spirit to minister righteousness to my brother and sister. Make them righteous by faith, but in reality. Make them clean, not in a false way, but in truth. Make us clean by the power of your washing and scrubbing us by your blood, Jesus. Lord, there are many who don't believe this. They'd rather believe the lie of the modern church. They'd rather believe the lie of Calvinism. The heretics and the false teachers. Forgive us, Lord. And come bring a mighty revival to America with a deep, deep, heartfelt desire 
to be made holy once and for all. Not in a a sham game of make-believe, but in reality, by faith, make us clean. Lord, I thank you. Sweep over this nation, mighty God of heaven, with at least one more call before you destroy us. Thank you, my Lord. Wash away the lies and the laziness. Make us clean by your precious blood. I know of nothing else in all the universe that can wash me, that can wash my brother and my sister, except your blood. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. This has been a very testing, trying time for me. But I've been able to move beyond the trials, the sickness, the brokenness, and know that all I'm truly concerned about is my brother and my sister. And will they accept and receive the precious blood of Jesus to cleanse and to heal? So I've been praying for you, been waiting on God. I've been obeying him. Our God is an awesome God. I pray that as you pray for me, as we pray for each other, is we show love one for another. The Holy Spirit will burst forth in power. We're coming again to the end of the broadcast. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to come on on Sunday, 9.45, I live at the church. The church lives where I live, and I live where the church is. It's a house church, small but seeking after the Lord. The address, Pastor Ray Greenley, 5009 Softwood Lane. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. You're welcome to come. Seek Jesus with us. 
If you're not clean yet by the blood, come and and pray and seek his face. And we'll pray for you. I also want to remind you that we are simple church ministry. And because we're very small, we require much generosity from you to make it possible for us to continue on air. If you have appreciated what you have heard today, if your heart has been touched, then give as the Lord leads you. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I love you with all my heart. I'd love to meet you. We'll talk soon. Bye.